Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we are back. Julie Harris, it is April the 22nd, and we're going to give these folks part two of your Make Money Now open house plan. And part one was received uh, kindly and a lot of nice comments on that. Yes, and in fact, a lot of our premier coaching members have already told me that they've already listened to yesterday and they've already got new open houses scheduled. So yep. they're doing their homework. Exactly. Nice job, guys. I mean, I, this, if there ever was a time of year, if there was ever a time in real estate to be absolutely proactively involved in lead generation, huh. it is now. There is so much opportunity out there. You know, I've been on, I don't even know, Julie today, Zooms and just different conference calls and clubhouses and all that. And I don't remember, I mean, I do, uh, I don't remember a time when there's this much opportunity for the, just primarily for the listing agents. And I also don't remember, you and I started, uh, you know, our first real estate transaction we did was, uh, what, 1992 or 93, mm -hmm. right? And we bought our first investment property. And I don't remember ever there being this much pain on the buyer side of the transaction. Oh no, not even close. It's amazing. It is incredible. So as we often coach you, become the listing agent. Now, yes, yes of course, we are not anti-buyer. Buyers make the world go around. Buyers are what make your listings sell practically instantly for some of you, okay? So we're not anti-buyer. The point is that when you are a real estate professional making your income, taking care of yourself and your family from this, you have a far better lifestyle all the way around when you're the listing agent because the listing agent always wins and because listings generate... Buyers don't necessarily. Yeah, that's the bottom line. So if you are looking for an excuse to uh, basically get your nights and weekends back and not uh, ruin another summer just driving buyers everywhere just to be the 50th offer on some house, uh, this is your opportunity to become a listing agent. You ought to take that seriously. And so the point of you'd think, well, Tim and Julie are talking about how to do an open house, how to monetize open houses. So how's that about listings? Because what we talked about yesterday and what we're going to drill down on again today is reminding you that a lot, depending on the price range of the houses you're going to hold open, the buyers that are going to be walking through, they, yes, present as buyers, but they're actually sellers. And so if you learn what questions to ask and, you know, essentially get past the mindset of that you're not supposed to be talking about listings and all these other Mickey Mouse things that you guys do, if you get right to the fact that most buyers are actually sellers in disguise, you're going to all of a sudden start seeing the opportunity that a lot of other people fail to see. And they fail to see because they aren't asking the right questions. They aren't actually, they're not being professionals. They're just being tour guides. They're just being essentially people that like to hopefully socialize their way into transactions. And that might work for maybe three to five deals per year. It might, seriously, if you're a good socializer, you could probably stumble into three to five deals per year. But if you want to be serious, if you want to make a career of this, you want to create something you're proud of, you're going to have to learn how to be a proactive lead generator. And before we get to our next point, you remember where we left off? I do. Okay, open before, house math. Before we get to our next point, I want to remind you guys that there are a lot of things that you're going to be told to focus on, um, especially as new technologies come out, as new you know business models start to evolve, as all this other stuff. It's going to create a lot of confusion as to where your focus should be. So I'm going to help you right now. Write these things down. Your number one focus should be becoming the best version of you as a proactive lead generator, number one. 
um, AKA prospecting. Number two, a pre-qualifier. Number three, a presenter. And I would have normally said, um, you know, I'll give you this one and lead follow-up. Those four things effectively are the only four things you ever really need to get uh, good at in real estate. Proactive lead generation, pre-qualifying, presenting, and lead follow-up. I would have normally said negotiating, but frankly, negotiating right now as a listing agent is not that hard. So at the end of the day, you just get at those get good at those four things. Become masterful at those four things. And those are, you know, four of the hundreds of things that we teach you in our coaching company. But when you come in as a coaching client, when you join Premier Coaching and you're on one of our daily semi-private coaching calls, the focus is always going to be on those four things because we know that's what's going to put you in a position to help people make money the fastest. We did not talk about anything else, did we? We're not talking about buying business. We're not talking about teams and branding and social networking and TikTok and making videos and, you know, best ways to you know, position your lights for videos. We're not talking about any of that stuff because that stuff does not put money in your pocket and does not put you in a position to help people today, urgently, making it so that you make money quick. That what you're going to realize is when you start making money quickly and you start seeing all the people that you're able to help, you will be less and less attractive to the, attracted to the noise, to the hype, to the things that are time wasters, to the things that you should just be avoiding, because you'll look at these things and you'll and your brain will be wired in such a way that you'll ask yourself, why do I need to do all this social networking, branding, Mickey Mouse? What's the point of it? And then you're going to say, I can already do transactions because I'm doing it in the Harris way. So why would I even bother trying to even think that you know all the passive marketing stuff will work? Because it doesn't. That's the reason that they never promise you a return on investment, let alone a return on your time. It's just noise to distract you from what your true mission should be, which is are those four things. Proactive lead generation, right? What does that mean? It means prospecting. Number two, it means uh, you know pre-qualifying, presenting, and lead follow-up. Those four things. And guys, it is not too late for you to grab your 2021 business plan. This is your business and life plan. I talk about this with Julie every single day on this podcast. This is a 60-some page, fill-in-the-blank, thorough, you know, professionally done business and life plan. It's not just a bunch of fluff. And all you've got to do to get this for free is text 2021 to 47372. Text 2021 to 47372. When you do, we're going to text you back a link. And with that link, you're going to download the Real Estate Treasure Map and Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate uh, as well, which is Napoleon Hill's. This, we, we're giving you guys a Napoleon Hill's public domain version of the book with lots of real estate content included. So just go ahead and text 2021 to 47372. Yes. Yeah, so we're going to talk about today open house math. Yesterday, we talked about, what was the title of that first section? Five reasons you love open houses. Now we're going to do the actual math. If the five reasons didn't convince you, this will, and I'm going to update point one and two a little bit because go for it. <clears throat> excuse me. When we originally uh, teach this, it's to make the point that when you hold open houses every weekend until you have a minimum of three AAA buyers, that is to insulate your work that you always have people that you're going to get into contract quickly. Now, right now, generally speaking, finding buyers is not as much of an issue. I would update this to say because there are so many buyers. I mean, some of these open houses, Tim, have like. 100, 200. It's more of a house party than an open house. Well, you know. The, to sift and sort to find the listing leads. 1-800-HOME-HOTLINE.COM, by the way, will help you sift and sort yeah. the buyer leads a lot faster. And make sure you check out that website. It's not a fancy website, but the service is brilliant. 1-800-HOME-HOTLINE.COM. Yeah, so let's do some math. Let's say that through your open house work, you have a minimum of two closable transactions. You're working on three. Maybe they're buyers. They're hopefully buyers that have listings to sell, which you will sell. But the open house generated, that's the point. 
So when you do two deals per month times your average commission, what does that equal? Let's just keep the math easy. Let's say your average net commission is $5,000. Many of you that has doubled year over year through no fault of your own, perhaps. <laughs> okay, but let's just say that it's five grand per month and you do two transactions as a result of your open house spoke. So that's 10,000 a month just from doing open houses correctly and efficiently. That's 120,000 a year. Even if your numbers are half of that open house, math makes a lot of sense. So, and for some of you, it's it's actually three times that number, right? Well, the average sale price in the United States right now is 350 grand. So if you're selling one house and let's say you're smart and you're with the EXP Realty and you're yep. on an 80-20 split, you're, I mean, I can do the math for you. Maybe I can't you're do, keeping can you do it in your 10, head? Maybe, let, well, let's, let's just assume, let's, let's just do some out. math. 350,000. Using the average for the country, 350. Yeah, yeah. Don't say the commission part because who knows. Uh, 8,400. 8,400. Okay. Yeah. So let's say you did two of these per month as a result of your open houses. That's 16,8 times 12 months. That is a potential of $201,600. So in other words, we might say, Ignoring the possibility of open houses, you're saying, no, no, you keep your $201,000. I'm not going to mess around with that. I've, I just like dabbling. And again, just to be clear, and Julie touched on this, we're not telling you to shun buyers, but really at the end of the day, buyers are an act in futility in many of your markets because the buyer market is so, it's not even competitive, it's something else. So if you have a choice and you know all of you have a limited amount of time to spend towards lead generation every day, spend it focused on working on sellers because most of the sellers that you create will often equal three different transactions. You'll get the listing. You'll probably sell the listing yourself. Um, then the seller is probably going to buy something or you'll get a listing. You're going to get a buyer off that listing that ends up buying something else. And then that maybe that uh, seller you have will buy something else. Whereas a buyer, you get one transaction. Maybe. Maybe. And, right. Maybe. And that's the reason that we want you to focus. And this all goes back to uh, one of the Harris rules that's in our book on Amazon and you know Barnes & Noble everywhere else. There's no such thing at the end of the day as a truly uh, as a buyer that has to buy. They don't exist. There are no such things as buyers that have to buy. And let me give you a, just a juxtaposition to that. There are examples of sellers that have to sell. And there's lots of sellers that have to sell. Relocation, can't afford two homes, inherited the house, tax problems, income problems, can't afford the property taxes. It's a who knows, who knows it list of endless reasons why sellers actually have to sell. And so on the buyer side, you give me an example of a buyer that has to buy. Some of you are going to say, well, 1031 tax exchange. Well, that's not really true because the buyer can always pay the taxes on the house that they're selling and they don't have to buy something else. And in a market like this, buyers are easily getting frustrated and they're making themselves tenants again or they're staying put and not selling their houses. So the moral of the story with what I'm trying to tell you is there's no such thing as a buyer that has to buy. But there's dozens and dozens of examples of sellers that have to sell. So if you have a choice between working with a seller that has to sell and a buyer that can always just change their mind if the wind just slightly changes direction. Why would you spend your time working with the buyers, right? So that, and especially when there's a dearth of or a lack of inventory like there is now. So you got to think like with a business mind. That way you can make business decisions and that way you can actually help people and make money. That's right. So let's say that you are actually already doing really well in your business you can add your open house spoke as a new spoke and use that potential $201,600 just by doing two transactions a month as a result of your really killer open houses. What could you do with that, quote, extra $201,600? Well, you could hire an assistant. You could buy a rental for cash. You could pay for you know, a new car. There's lots of things. Let your mind wander on that. And uh, you know, just to remind you, if you don't do this, you can't have any of that. 
<laughs> so there's two ways to look at this. This this could be you know a jump start for an agent that's maybe going from deal to deal, but this can also be a really valid add-on spoke to somebody who's doing pretty well, but just wants to add a fairly predictable uh, lead generation spoke. So open house prospecting rules. This is where we get into the weeds a little bit with you guys. Some of you have dabbled with open houses, tried them out, and maybe you didn't get really great results, so you just decided that open houses don't work. Well, we're here to tell you you are 1,000% wrong about that. It might have been the house that you chose. It might have been lack of proactive well, let's, activity. Let's get to your list. Yeah. So we talked about a little about uh, of essentially making sure when you're going to hold an open house and you're going to take this uh, opportunity. Julie said a couple terms, and those of you who are new to us, you're not going to be familiar. She said spoke, and a spoke basically is a source of business, and it goes back to the analogy that Julie and I created forever ago. Your goal is like if you imagine an old old time bicycle wheel that has multiple spokes on it. One spoke will make for uh, I mean a lot of you frankly have no spokes, but one spoke, which is often an agent center of influence and past clients, still makes for a very weak wheel. And ultimately, what you want is you want to have spokes. More spokes, the better. But the spokes that you want to put on your wheel first are going to be the proactive lead generation spokes because those are the spokes that you with skills. And doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level can actually solidify. So you can make those really strong spokes. A spoke, a passive lead generation a source of business does not constitute a spoke. Nope. It has to be something that's proactive. It has to be something so when that wheel is rolling down the road and it hits a pebble, right? A spokeless wheel is obviously not even going to roll, let alone have any um, you know structural rigidity. rigidity to it. If it hits the spoke, it hits a pebble. One spoke wheel is going to do the same thing. Two spoke wheels are going to do the same thing. So we always suggest, and we talk about this in our book, Harris Rules, the first spoke you add is centers of influence and past clients. And then you choose one of the other uh, proactively generational uh, spokes that we tell you about. This buyer um, it, this buyer system that Julie's describing to you, it is on the passive side until then you come in contact with the prospects and then it actually then becomes proactive. So if you're just sitting there and you're not actually working your open house, if you're not actually proactively having conversations and following our script, it is a passive spoke. You're just hoping and praying that somebody just drops in your lap. What we want you to do is have an intentional conversations, and these are all scripts that we've you know shared with you guys before, and obviously part of our coaching program, that's going to root out all the buyers that are actually sellers. And then you know what you're supposed to do, or if you don't, you're going to know when you join our coaching program. That's right. So open house rules, number one, you must use at least 10 directional signs. More if it is buried too far in a neighborhood, hard to find, up a hill, around a corner. Ask permission to place signs and connect with homeowners who allow you this courtesy. Okay, so some agents will pound their signs in people's yards, won't ask permission, and that seller, or I see, I already think of them as a seller, that, that homeowner yeah. uh, will get mad and jerk their sign out. So thus negating the effectiveness of your signs. Instead, look at this as a proactive lead generation conversation. Be polite enough to go up, door knock them wearing your name tag, be super nice, tell them about the house you're holding open, and ask permission to put a sign. They'll and look always say yes. And look professional too. Yes. Right? And that's another chapter in Harris Rules. Upgrade you all, you always you don't want to integrate. You you're not a you know you're not a CIA spy where you're trying to look like you're <laughs> embedded. You, you're embedded, <laughs> right? You want to look nicer than everyone else around you, including your compatriots in real estate. You always want to dress nicer. You always want to look professional, even if you're in a market where nobody else is. You're worried what well, you're going to stick out. Good, stick out. You're going to stick out as the professional. Oh, the top producer in my marketplace where you know wears Hawaiian shirts and has stinky feet. You know whatever it is. That, you know we've had all these conversations with so many of you. Usually you guys 
guys are trying to give us excuses why you're not supposed to look professional. But I'm here to tell you, at the end of the day, when you look professional, it gives you an unfair advantage in your marketplace because people will all like Julie's the you know great example. She always, she was when she was a professional musician. We were selling real estate. She'd go to orchestra practice and she'd always dress up looking nice. All the other people have maybe come from their you know working days. Usually there are teachers or professors or whatever. And she's sitting in this orchestra practice and she's looking nice. They eventually came around to start asking her. Julie, why do you always look so nice? And she'd say, well, I'm, you just came from a closing or I just, we have a listing appointment this evening or whatever it is. That's how she got the conversation started. So think like a professional and you'll start actually finding people gravitating towards you. Yes. And, you know, we did a whole podcast about that about three weeks ago called Moments of Truth. Yep. That's what we're talking about here, guys. So, yes, people will notice that person who let you put their, your open house sign in their yard will absolutely make note of that. Don't forget to give them your business card. Okay, so uh, directional signs are easy to find. Number two, choose the right house to hold open. First-time buyer houses or first-time move-up houses, second-time move-up houses. We talked about that a little bit yesterday. The importance of choosing the actual right house does make a difference. You want to go for popular neighborhoods. Uh, school districts are important in many different areas. Uh, nice curb appeal. Avoid gated communities if possible. Good. And then the next point also is point number uh, three is you definitely want to do a neighbors only open house prior to actually doing the main open house. And you could even do it on a separate day. You will get, uh, and the way you do that is you can make a nice little invitation. You can make it a flyer and then go door knock. Don't be lazy and just stick it in their door. Don't be lazy and just hang it on their mailbox. Go and knock on the door, invite them to a neighbor's only open house. So if you're planning on doing the open house that day for the public between, I don't know, noon and five, do a neighbor's only that starts at 11 and then give the neighbors an opportunity to walk through the house because really what you're doing is you're looking for listing opportunities, right? So be smart about this. Let the people know that you are here to proactively sell this house. Even if they have another real estate agent as a friend, the very fact that you're showing up and you're being professional and you're aggressively trying to sell that neighbor's house for the most money, they're going to most certainly give you a shot and interviewing for the job of selling their house. Now that's when you have to have a professional pre-listing pack and you have to have a professional listing appointment or listing presentation. That's where we come in. So I want you to ask yourself, how many of you are not being proactively generators and only trying to get business from your centers of influence and past clients? Because you know you can't compete with a stranger. That's all of you, right? If you're being honest, that's all of you. You're not proactively going after the business because, and you're just essentially relying on the easy hand-me-down deals because you don't, you don't have confidence in your ability to compete. And frankly, you shouldn't have confidence in your ability to compete unless you do have a pre-listing pack, unless you do have a listing presentation, unless you do have scripts, unless you do have a overall professional system backing you up. Imagine how you're going to feel once your listing presentation is done, your pre-listing pack is done, you know what to say and how to say it. Your whole thing, your whole, you're following our seven-step listing process. Everything is nailed down and tight. You're not going to drive past those physicals anymore. You're going to go knock on the door. You're going to look a little bit nicer than everybody looks. And you're going to then basically be confident in your ability to know what to say and how to say it so you can win that listing from a stranger. The first time you have that experience, you're going to feel like you've been transported into an alternative future because you have. You now are a proactive lead generator. You're not like everyone else is running around hoping and praying that a real estate deal falls in their laps. You have transcended everybody else. It only takes that, having that experience once and then the trajectory of your professional career. And by the way, your financial and personal life will also be uh, going a completely different direction. 
Uh, so remember, neighbors only, open house, that's for sure. Okay, let me hover there for a second. Um, we have a coaching client named Tammy Irby in Northern Virginia. Yeah. She has systematized this to the point where it is Well, extreme. she's following our system. Yes. She has used our seven-step listing process. She's using the, the open house scripts, the open house stuff we're doing right now, and of course, all the coaching stuff. But she has taken it to a level where it is indeed a predictable, duplicatable spoke where her neighborhood open houses have people standing in line so far down the street that they've had to get tents. Yeah. I'm not kidding. And she's got her husband helping her out. She's super prepared for that. And she predictably gets one to two listings within a month from that same neighborhood do, do every time she does it. You and I were basically pontificating on one of our Sunday shows. Mm -hmm. This was probably this time last year. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was a little bit later, June or July. Mm -hmm. And we were starting to say, you know, what COVID, we were kind of just guessing what COVID would create. Mm -hmm. And that's where you and I originally coined the concept of a, a, real, a, a renaissance, essentially, sure. which will happen mm -hmm. in, for humanity. And we're already mm -hmm. seeing the, the makings yeah, yeah. of that. And uh, despite all the social unrest and all the rest of it, we're definitely going to see the positive momentum that comes from all the technological and just really all the other things that are happening in life. They're going to, you guys, here's our prediction. They're going to overshadow whatever doom and glooming social unrest is happening. People are going to be so happy COVID's over. Yeah. They, there's a, you know, a record amount of actual cash savings, trillion dollars, trillion dollars in home equity. People are going to be in celebratory mood. They're not going to be in protesting mood. So don't get suckered into the doom and gloom, guys. But what you're going to start, it, well, what we predicted would happen is because of COVID and because of people are now being able to work remotely and because we saw all the advancements in the connectivity, specifically Starlink, and all these other things have happened. Julie and I rightfully predicted that all these ancillary markets, like Murphy, North Carolina, like yeah. even um, like uh, 29 Palms, like Joshua Tree in Paducah, California. Kentucky. The, yeah, Patuka, Kentucky. The places that people would never, that always maybe fantasized about living, but couldn't live there because, well, the kid has to go to this school, but now the kid can go to remote school. The kid has, I have to be, you know, 15 minutes from work. Well, now you can work uh, over your over the internet. So all the rules changed. And then, so there was, going full circle to my mm -hmm. point here, yeah. it was in Joshua Tree. Uh, I, the, remember I told you this, there was a builder, and if you guys have never been to Joshua Tree, it's like being on Mars. Just it's definitely different. <laughs> just definitely different. Um, a builder basically oh. opened up a subdivision, uh, subdivided some lots. Mm -hmm. The word got out that there's lots were going for sale on like a Saturday morning, mm -hmm. and people camped out overnight so they could get the lots first. Wow. And, in and Joshua me, Tree. In Joshua Tree is quite possibly even more remote than Murphy, North Carolina. Oh, it definitely. definitely is. I mean, it, it is high desert, man. It is, yeah. is not the first place that you normally would think, I'm going to go build a house. There. Totally beautiful. Absolutely beautiful, but definitely remote. Yeah, it's remote like in it's never been civilized, essentially. It's never, <laughs> yeah. there's the only people living up there in that 29 Palms area, uh, area yeah, are military. <laughs> yeah, are military yeah, people. That's true. Uh, but, but what's happening? You rake your lawn, it's made of sand. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, so you guys get the point here. So these types of things are going to, the, the pace of the interruption to what had been normal for, you know, at least 100 years since the Industrial Revolution. That momentum is now pivoting towards this uh, mass distribution or disbursement of different uh, people wanting to live the life that they want. The, the demands or the uh, essentially cultural norms about how you live and where you live have completely been rocked because of COVID. And we're just getting started. So when we're yes. going, when we're reading all these points, guys, and we're sharing all this information with you, you've got to see what a blessing real estate is because you have a real estate license. If you're in state California, California, for example, you know you can sell houses outside of your you know normal little radius. 
you start exploring these other markets and you start meeting all these other different people and a great way to do is through open houses. Yes, so talking about the neighborhood open house, you do need to door knock at least an hour. I mean, you could do it the afternoon before an open house you're having tomorrow, but do door knock, have conversations, have a nice looking brochure, I hate the word flyer, a nice looking home brochure, using uh, you know real pictures, inviting the neighbors and friends for a sneak preview neighborhood open house prior to your public open house. You know, we say use yeah. a name tag, but you know no one's going to listen to us. No. But use the name tag you anyway, should. because when they look through their ring uh, device and they see somebody just standing there, you know, that's not going to be an experience they're going to rush through the door for. No. You know, so definitely have a name tag on. So through the ring or through the doorbell, they can see who you are. They're going to open the door. And what you hand them, do not make it a piece of crap. You right. don't have to spend a ton of money on it, but make it look professional. Another These are called moment of truth. Moment of truth, right? What you look like, how you present. And they just say, this, say hey, I, this is Tim and Julie Harris. Listen, I'm, uh, we listed the house right down this street from you at 123 Elm Street. We're doing a neighbors-only open house. We're having a little raffle. We'd love for you to pop over. Uh, you can check out the house and maybe maybe walk around the house and see if maybe the you know the leaf blower that you lost a few years ago is in the garage. I don't know. I'm just saying. You know, and make, by the way, who do you know who would love to live in your neighborhood? This is a unique opportunity to choose your neighbors. Yep. Who should I be calling that you know who would love to come to that open house? Exactly. So this is the this is the point, guys. This is called being proactive. And yet what most agents do when they get a listing. Here's a typical agent's listing mm -hmm. plan. Get the contract signed, no sign, no brochure. Nope. They're gonna take some crappy they're gonna take some crappy iPhone pictures. They're gonna put it in the MLS. They're never gonna hold an open house. They're never gonna really do anything other than to basically collect leads. And then they're, that listing's gonna close and then they're gonna be without business. They're gonna wonder why. They're gonna, the listing, the one listing that they had is gonna be the hallmark of their careers forever. And they're never gonna be able to duplicate it because they didn't follow a system like this. Exactly. So yeah, we know that you, so there's agents out there going like, why would I do all this work? It's, it's not because we don't think you're going to sell the house. We know you can put it in the MLS on Thursday, gather contracts Julie, by you, Sunday. You can I mean, give me a break. A, you can get a listing contract, and you yeah. can go through a drive-through teller at a bank right now. Right. And because <laughs> because a listing contracts have become like currency, they'll give you what your pending commission is. I'm kidding. They won't. But you guys get the point because houses are Basically. selling themselves. You don't. I mean, in this market, this is the reason I said you don't even have to worry about negotiating. Right. You as a listing agent, you can price it wrong. It doesn't have to be in the greatest condition, and frankly, it doesn't even have to be in the greatest location. And it's going to sell with competing offers. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. So that's you're missing the point if that's what's in your head that I can I know I can just throw it in the MLS and it'll be sold by Monday. That's not the point. The point is to use your open houses as lead generators. And as a byproduct, probably you will get a better price for your seller, but that's not the leading point at, from an agent standpoint, okay? So the next thing, <clears throat> excuse me, is after you've door knocked for an hour, you know, you should do some inexpensive ads like on Craigslist or your Facebook page, things like that. The best place really is yeah. to just put them in the MLS and let the MLS yeah. do the work for you. Because you guys know on Realtor. like if you put it in the MLS that's going to be open from this to this, it gets announced on Realtor.com and <clears> Zillow. Yuck. Yeah. Zillow. Yuck. But it'll get announced everywhere. But really the best uh, and most powerful source to get people in your open house is always going to be signs. And matter of fact, you can put the uh, sign in the yard. This house will be open this Sunday at da 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 da. Right. So be aggressive with the signs. Signs are an absolute, unbelievably cool thing because they're free. I mean, a corrugated sign costs virtually nothing. And can you imagine what a value of a for sale sign is in the yard of a house? Like, what would what would, for example, like? With that, we're in this sort this attention uh, grabbing you know world that we're all in. Where everyone's trying to grab attention, and they're doing all these crazy things on Instagram and Facebook, and you know all this Mickey Mouse. And how much of a, a attention does a for sale sign grab? Like a whole crap ton. 
So do not downplay the power of a for sale sign. And there's no other, like if you are, you guys don't quite understand this, but if you are, if it became legal for you to sell advertising space on a little sign in your front yard, you could probably retire off the money you would make from that. You know, you'd sell one week to Coca-Cola, another week to the local pie shop, another week to the local accountant. Everyone would be loving paying you money to put a sign in your yard. In other words, zoning doesn't allow anybody to put signs in the yards other than real estate agents. So that's incredibly powerful. Don't underestimate that. It absolutely is. So let's talk. We talked a little bit about this yesterday, but let's drill down on how to get people's information out of them so that you can follow up and you'll be following up the same evening or afternoon. Don't wait. Don't sit on the information. Now, it used to be get a nice looking sign in book like you would for a wedding or something like that. But now, you know, we have apps and we also have COVID. So a lot of people are a little bit weird about touching an iPad right now. So the best thing you can do is a raffle or little cards that people put their information on to enter a drawing and maybe give them some pens to take home with them so they don't feel like they're touching everybody else's germs. There right? are a lot of open house sign-in apps, which are pretty cool, but that's assuming the person has the app on their phone. And the other thing is- Otherwise, you're handing them your iPad. There's too many threat vectors. There's too yeah. many places where it could fail. What we suggested the other day, and this is what we have all of our clients do, is you have a bunch of pre-written small pieces, or pre, like take some three by five cards and cut them in half, right? And then have a bunch of pens there and let people then basically put their names and their phone numbers down on the, uh, uh, you know, the piece of paper and then put it in the thing and you're going to have a, a raffle for whatever the hell you're going to have a raffle for. Make it something that's fun though. Um, and, and you know, like Julie and I used to do silly things. Like when we were first year in business, we would raffle off a TV or we'd raffle off a gift certificate to a restaurant. And we, and this is back when TVs didn't cost $3. I mean, we'd raffle off all kinds of things and we would do it monthly. So we do a monthly giveaway of something just so we could collect information. And what we would do is we'd call all those leads back the same day. And then we look for the ones that were sellers. The ones that were sellers obviously got priority status and the ones that were buyers, they got attention, but not like the ones that were also sellers. Using, I, you know, the script, which house in the area do you plan on selling, which we exactly. remind you about on almost every podcast. You're not going to have the opportunity necessarily to have that many conversations with people. If you have a bunch of people coming through at once, it's going to be weird. Uh, and they're not going to want to have a conversation with you because it's going to be other people listening in. That's the reason you got to do the raffle so you can collect the information. You can call them the same day. Do not put them in a CRM. Do not drip on them. Do not send them videos. Do not send them a bunch of clever emails. Do not send them a newsletter. Do not do anything other than calling them. Proactive lead yes, generation. Don't wait. The longer you wait, the less likely they are to remember who you are, where they met you from, or why they would even want to take your call. Yep. Okay. And the more you stick them into some random drip system, you don't even know whether they've got any reason to buy or sell with you. So why are you wasting your time? It only matters after you've had a real conversation. And let's say that's a seller that came in. You had a nice little exchange with them, you know, whatever, whatever. They walked through the house and a bunch of other people came through. So you didn't have an opportunity to say goodbye even. Now that potential seller is now sort of mentally clocking how long you're going to take to follow up. And then they get a week later, they get some email from you. You've instantly told them that you are a pretty lame salesperson, that you're not doing a very effective job following up, trying to find out if they even want to buy that house, right? You're being passive. You Subconsciously, that seller is not going to see you as viable because they give you their contact information. They know you're a salesperson and yet you Where'd are you not go? calling them. So that's the impression you're leaving with them. And they will not call you and give you an opportunity at that house. Yeah. Conversely. They're listing if they have one. When you follow up the same night using good scripts, being professional, what they will say to you is what they say to our coaching clients. They say, you know what? I was really thinking I was going to relist it with that guy that sold me the house. Gosh, I can't even really remember his name. 
but I was so impressed with your follow-up. You know, I wasn't really ready right that day, but you kept on following up and you gave me great information. And now come on out so we can talk about it. Furiously and, fast lead follow-up. And you know, a lot of times those types of leads you're not competing for nope. because you've already built a rapport through your follow-up because they're already impressed with you. Well, you may have been hypothetically in the running for the with the previous agent, but you've just blown that agent out of the water because you were professional. You had furiously fast lead follow-up. You asked their questions. They know that they're you know, essentially breathing the same air as somebody who's professional, who is going to get them the highest price in the least amount of time with the least amount of hassle. They know that they're dealing with somebody versus the agent who they occasionally just see at church or whatever, who, you know, looks kind of dishuffled. And you guys get the point. Be a professional. And so here's the bottom line. If you've not read our book yet, read our book, Harris Rules. It's almost 500 five-star reviews on Amazon. It's available at Barnes & Noble. It's available everywhere. It's available. We've seen it for sale in you know bookstores and airports, airports. just everywhere you can imagine. So get the book. Um, we're hoping it's going to stay on pace to become the best-selling real estate book of all time. In the meantime, if you want to talk with uh, Jelena about joining our EXP group, I strongly encourage you just to text me directly, 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. We're going to pick up where we left off today, tomorrow. In the meantime, you guys have a fantastic day. And like I said, we'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.